if you ache for truth, goodness, and beauty, if you're hungry for a Christianity with substance and strength, if you long for a faith that's big and bold and biblical and all about Jesus Christ, if you're inspired by the idea of one church that has spanned 20 centuries, 24 time zones, and two hemispheres, enfolding every race, nation, and language, then you're considering Catholicism. This is the Considering Catholicism podcast for curious non-Catholics and for Catholics that want to learn more about their faith in church. But that raises an interesting question, doesn't it? What exactly does it mean to be Catholic? Now, at first it seems obvious. I'm Catholic. You might be Catholic. If you are, the people at your parish are Catholic. Your priest is Catholic. The Pope is Catholic. But my friend Ed and others who have not joined the Catholic Church are not Catholic. Question asked, question answered, right? Well, slow down, because it's not always so clear in practice in the real world. For example, we might look at someone who hasn't been to Mass or confession in 30, 40 years and leads a totally immoral life, but still claims to be Catholic, and say, Oh, really? And you call yourself a Catholic? Or we might hear about a college or a university that calls itself Catholic, but whose professors and policies and students totally contradict the church's teachings and moral stances and say, how can they claim to be a Catholic institution? Or we might see a politician who likes to publicly claim how devout of a Catholic they are, but then blatantly defies the church's social teachings, and we say, how can they call themselves a Catholic? Or we read about Catholic armies or revolutionary movements in history or maybe even in the present day fighting against non-Catholics in some part of the world and say, that's not Catholic. I, I could go on, but you get the idea. So what does being Catholic actually mean? What's the definition or standards or expectations for that label to apply in any meaningful way? Look, it's not just an academic question. It's, it's very practical. First and most importantly for ourselves, we need to know what it means in order to live our Catholic faith, to fulfill the promises of our baptism and confirmation. Because without a clear notion of what an authentic Catholic life should look like and what's expected of us, our own Catholic lives will just be inconsistent and ineffective at best. And if you're considering Catholicism, as some of you who listen to this podcast are, then you want to know what's required and what's expected of you to become one. And on that point, just for a moment, I know a lot of converts who take their conversion to Catholicism and joining the church very seriously. I know I did. They've spent years studying Catholic doctrine and history and culture and practice and spirituality because they're weighing and considering very closely what amounts to one of the most important decisions of their life. And often they, they pay a real cost. They walk away from another faith or another denomination and they break with friends and families and colleagues 
all because they feel that the Catholic faith is true and it's compelling and they, they really have no choice but to pay whatever it costs to become Catholic. And then they go through RCAA for a year and they take their first communion on Easter and they throw themselves into the life of the church, trying to be the best Catholics that they can be. And then, and then they look around and they see some cradle Catholics just slouching along, disinterested, taking none of it very seriously, barely practicing their faith at all. And the convert thinks, is this what I joined? Is this what it means to be Catholic? So, for each of us, wherever we are, we need to know what it means and what's expected to bear the name Catholic. But it's also critical for how we relate to each other within the church. Because how can we live together as an authentic Catholic community without any consensus about what being Catholic even means? How can we rely on each other within the church if we can't agree what's expected of us, if we're all working off of different definitions? And finally, how can we fulfill the evangelistic mission of the church if we can't even agree as to what it is that we have to share with the world or what we're calling others to believe or to become? So, for all of those reasons, and maybe more, let's explore what being Catholic or not actually means. To do that, I want you to imagine the church as resembling a solar system. Form that picture in your mind, a, a solar system, you know, a, a star and planets in space. Now, at the center is a burning mass of unimaginable power, projecting light and heat in every direction, with an equally unimaginable gravity that pulls at everything that it can see, trying to draw everything into itself. In a solar system, that central mass is the star. But in the church, that bright burning center is the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, sharing love and fellowship with each other. The Catechism of the Catholic Church paragraph 850 for those of you taking notes, says that the mission that the Lord gave his church is ultimately grounded in the eternal love of the Most Holy Trinity because, the Catechism says, the ultimate purpose of her mission is none other than to make men share in the communion between the Father and the Son and the Spirit of love. So, the mission of the church is driven by the light and the heat and the gravity of the Trinity. The way a, a star lights and heats and ultimately draws everything within its orbit toward itself. God desires that all people and all things share in the light and the love of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the church is the means or the mechanism by which that love and that invitation is shared. Okay, now if we look more closely at the star in this solar system, we'll see some celestial bodies in close orbit in the innermost circle around the Holy Trinity. These are the saints. They enjoy what the Catholic Church calls the beatific vision. They gaze directly upon the eternal love and the beauty of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
The immense gravity of that love has drawn them in to experience that infinite source of joy. And that innermost orbit that the saints inhabit might be called the kingdom of heaven. It is the state of true fellowship between God and his people, between creator and his creatures, wherein they reflect back his love and glory without being obscured by sin. In the same way that planets and moons and asteroids don't project light of their own, they only reflect what comes from the star, so the saints reflect the truth, goodness, and beauty of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, if this imagined solar system is the church, with God as the star and the innermost planets as the saints, then floating way, way, way out in deep space, beyond the orbit of the outermost planets, are those outside the body of Christ, the community of faith, the church. They've not been captured, at least not yet, by the gravity of God's love and grace, not yet been brought into the influence of the good news of Christ's death and resurrection. Okay. So do you have this image in your mind? The church is a solar system. God is at the center, circled by the saints, and wandering out in deep space are the unsaved and the unchurched. Now, in this model of the church, between the unchurched way out in deep space and the saints at the centermost orbit, lie at least four orbits or orbital zones. And there are planets in those zones, but the planets are, of course, our people. And they inhabit or exist or live within those orbital zones. They circle the sun, but at different distances from it. And all of them, regardless of which orbit they are in, are Catholics. And that goes to the question that we began with. What does it mean to be Catholic? Well, everyone inside the church, circling the Trinity at the center, is a Catholic, but some are orbiting closer in and some further out. Now, their orbits aren't fixed or permanent. People can and often do change their orbit over the course of their life. Some are generally moving through the course of life from the outer circles inward, and some are drifting from the inner circles outward. Some stay parked in the same orbit for years or decades, and some are constantly zipping back and forth, in and out. So, what are these four orbital zones that people, like planets, circle God within? Let's call the outermost zone, furthest from the sun that is the Trinity, but still within the solar system that is the church, let's call that zone the baptized. These are people who have received the sacrament of baptism and possibly first communion and confirmation. Now, the church rightly considers them to be Catholics because the sacrament of baptism places an indelible mark on us. It regenerates us in the death of Christ. We can stop going to church. We can stop believing. We can stop obeying. But we can never get unbaptized. And this explains a discrepancy between Catholics and some Protestants, especially the non-denominational evangelical types. 
I often hear people compare the different rates at which Catholics and Protestants go to church or give money to support the church or believe uh, and follow church teaching. Anecdotally, and in some cases statistically, Catholics seem to come out worse in that comparison, meaning that baptized and confirmed Catholics are sometimes less likely, less likely to practice their faith meaningfully than self-described evangelicals. And that leads many to conclude that Protestants are generally more devout than Catholics. But as someone who has been in professional ministry on both sides of this fence, I think I can shed a little light on it and explain the discrepancy. The Catholic Church considers everyone who has received the sacrament of baptism a baptized Catholic. They will always be a baptized and, in many cases, confirmed Catholic. They, they can't unbaptize themselves. It doesn't wear off just because you don't go to Mass. Even more with the sacrament of confirmation, you were confirmed. That's a definite past tense verb statement of fact. It's not a present progressive verb tense in which you're continuously confirming yourself. So, even if they haven't been in church for 30 years, they live an immoral life, they're ignorant of or disagree with church doctrine, baptized and confirmed Catholics are Catholics, and we count them as such in sacramental records. But, but, in many Protestant, especially contemporary evangelical churches, membership is a function of participation. So, if you attend and practice your faith, and if you give of your time, talents, and treasures, then you're a member. But if you stop coming and living faithfully and giving, well, eventually they drop you or lapse your membership. But if you have a change of heart, if you experience a revival of your faith, then you may reconfirm your faith. You may even get rebaptized. So, because evangelicals define the church's membership as consisting of those who are actively participating, a very high percentage of their church members, in some cases nearly all, believe and come and give, by definition. I guarantee you that if they counted everyone who used to practice their faith but no longer does, their numbers would look very much like the Catholic Church's numbers for baptized and confirmed Catholics who don't practice their faith. Here's the point I'm driving at. If someone, if you, have received the Catholic sacraments of baptism and confirmation, then you are, by definition, a Catholic, regardless of whatever else you do. It tells us very little about the state of your mind, heart, and life at the moment, but when we ask what it means to be Catholic, that's the technically accurate definition. But it's also the minimal standard. And that's why, in our solar system model of the church, the baptized and possibly the confirmed are in the outermost orbit. They're in the church, but not necessarily close to God. So, let's move inward from the orbit of the baptized into the next orbital zone, one step closer to the sun. Let's call this next orbit the circle of the attending. Now, the baptized belong to the church sacramentally, but they may or may not actively participate in the visible worshiping church. 
The difference between the baptized and the attending is that the attending are not only baptized, they actually show up to Mass, at least on a semi-regular basis. They may go to confession, maybe only once uh, every year or two, but they still show up often enough to be part of the life of their parish. They baptize their own children and they enroll them in sacramental preparation classes for First Communion and Confirmation. They take part in other programs and ministries. When they get married, they request a church wedding. When their family members die, they hold a funeral at the parish. They may even sometimes volunteer and give financial support to the parish. But none of this says anything about whether they understand or agree with Catholic doctrines or have an active prayer life or try to live out the church's moral and social teachings. In fact, many of them may not. A few episodes back on this podcast, episode 26, What Happened to the Catholic Church in America Over the Last 50 Years, I looked at the state of the Catholic Church in America through some very disturbing surveys by the Pew and Gallup organizations. You can go back and listen to that entire episode. But here are a couple of highlights. Something between a third to a half of Catholics that do attend Mass on a regular basis, so the people that inhabit this orbit of the attending, are either ignorant of or don't believe the Church's teaching on the Eucharist. And about a third to a half of Mass-attending Catholics, so the circle of the attending, believe that homosexuality should be accepted, that the Church should recognize gay marriage, permit birth control, that priests should be allowed to get married, and that the church should have women priests. So my point is that just because someone is in the circle of the attending doesn't mean that they consistently understand or coherently believe the Catholic faith. Why? I mean, at first glance, it seems silly to say that you belong to and regularly participate in a religion that you don't fully understand or believe. Why would you go? Well, that's a topic for another day. The truth is that for decades, the church had, and truthfully in some places still has, a crisis of catechesis, meaning that we haven't successfully taught the church's teachings to everyone in our pews so that it takes root and grows into genuine faith. But the reality of the situation is that we have a significant number of mass-attending Catholics, and whether that is a quarter or a third or a half depends on which survey you look at, who are baptized and actively attend a parish that don't completely believe the Catholic faith. This puzzling reality illustrates just how hard it is to define being Catholic. Are these folks Catholics? Well, yes, they are baptized and they attend a parish, but they aren't necessarily believing Catholics. Which, of course, brings us to the next orbital zone as we move inward toward the sun, the circle of the believing. Now, these folks are baptized, and they belong and attend, meaning that they're present and participating in the visible life of the church on a least semi-regular basis. But the difference is that they actually know, and more importantly, they actually believe or have genuine faith in the teachings of the church. They may not have a formal biblical or theological education, meaning that they didn't get college or graduate-level degrees in those topics, but they understand the gospel and the church's doctrines and essential moral teachings. They know and believe that the Eucharist is the body and blood of Christ. They know and believe that through the sacrament of confession we are reconciled with God. 
They know what the sacrament of marriage is, and they believe in it. They know what the church teaches about human life, and they believe it. They believe in prayer and the anointing of the sick by their parish priest. And understanding and believing all these things, they accept them. You know these people. You might be these people. These are the folks at your parish that respect God's word and apostolic tradition and the Holy Father. Even when they get frustrated by the failures of priests and the hierarchy, they still respect the church. They are baptized Catholics. They are attending Catholics. They are believing Catholics. No question about it. But there is another orbital zone between them and the saints. How can that be? Well, because while these folks might believe with their mind, their hearts might or might not be completely in it. Let me illustrate this with two passages from the New Testament. Matthew 28, 19, and 20 is known as the Great Commission. It's what Jesus tells his apostles after the resurrection, right before he ascends into heaven. He tells them to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. The circle of the believing have been taught everything that Jesus taught, but they may not be obeying everything that he commanded. In chapter 2 of the epistle of James, James says that faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. He says that we show true faith by our deeds. We act on what we believe. You see, believing is what logicians call a necessary but not sufficient condition for true discipleship. And those in the circle of believing may not be living as obedient disciples. Which brings us to the innermost orbital zone before we get to the saints, the circle of the obedient. These are Catholics that have passed through baptism, through attending, and through believing, and are honestly trying to obey Christ and bring their lives into conformity with His will and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Of course it goes without saying that they fail all the time, that they are still imperfect people, that they are sinners. But they know that, and when they sin, they penitentially seek the sacrament of reconciliation. They are pursuing a genuine and sustained conversion, not only of their hearts, but their entire lives. They are humble pilgrims, drawn with love deeper into the communion of the Trinity at the center of the church. They long and strive to go deeper in. Because they know that the greatest tragedy in life is to have never become a saint. So, let's wrap this episode up with two observations and two questions. First, we need to accept that the answer to the question, what does it mean to be Catholic, is complex. If we imagine, as we have in this episode, the church to be like a solar system, then those that are baptized and confirmed but don't attend, believe, or obey have been captured by the orbit of God's love and thus belong to the mystical community of the church, but they are far away from enjoying real fellowship with him. 
They are Catholics, but not necessarily believing or practicing Catholics. In the orbits progressively closer to the burning star of the Holy Trinity, members of the Catholic Church approach the beatific vision through faith and obedient discipleship. This is the process of sanctification, of becoming a saint, which all of us should aspire to, even if few of us will achieve it in this life. And second, what I've described here is a Catholic, not a Protestant model of the church and how people live and move within it, or don't. Most Protestants would answer the question, who is a Christian, or what does it mean to be a Christian, very differently than we've answered the question here, what does it mean to be a Catholic. To be clear, there is no single Protestant theology. In most instances, Protestant simply means any Christian denomination that is not Catholic or Greek Orthodox and is less than 500 years old. But most Protestants and Evangelicals would disagree with my solar system model. Explaining why they would disagree would take another episode, and besides, this really isn't the Considering Protestantism podcast. But if you'd like to hear me unpack how they do view the church, then email me and let me know, and maybe I'll do an episode on that. Okay, now I said I wanted to close with two questions. Here's the first. Where are you? In this model, if you were to take a sheet of paper and draw this illustration and put an X marking, I am here, which orbit would you be in? And if you were to chart your life over time with a dotted line through the solar system of the church, where have you been? And maybe more importantly, where are you going? Does your journey have a direction to it? Have you plotted a course? And what is propelling you along it? How are you navigating? In other words, if you want to move inward toward the burning heart of God's love, what are you doing or what do you need to do to keep moving forwards toward it? And before I sign off, one last question. What are you, or what is your parish, doing to help others to journey closer to Christ? How are you contributing to capturing those that are wandering out in deep space to be brought into the orbits that are the body of Christ? And how are you inspiring, encouraging, and equipping those Catholics around you to go higher up in the kingdom by going deeper into the gravity well of God's love? Give those some thought. Thank you for listening. My name is Greg Smith. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, would you please hit the like and subscribe buttons wherever you get your podcasts? And please share it with others. And if you're curious about the Catholic worldview and faith, the Church and its saints, or Catholic history, culture, and art, then visit consideringcatholicism.com. And email me to let me know what you think. Greg at consideringcatholicism.com.